Welcome to the Becoming Titans podcast. I'm Russ Yeager, founder and CEO of Body Transformation University. I help busy business owners and executives get a beach-ready body without killing themselves in the gym hours every day, giving up the foods they love, or taking away time from their family or business. I believe putting your health first is the most important thing you can do to propel your business and financial success, ignite passion in your relationships, and to live a happier, more fulfilled life. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing inspirational podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Welcome to another great episode of Becoming Titans podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Dean Wegner of Authentically American. Welcome, Dean. Well, Rosemary, I am honored to be a guest. Thank you very much. So glad to have you here. Tell me, tell well, tell the audience about who you are and a little bit about your journey of how you started Authentically American. So that can go a lot of different directions, <laughs> but when I start here. Rosemary, I always like to share what's most important to me. And that really starts with God, you know, family and country. And my Christian faith is first and foremost in my life. And family is incredibly important. My wife and I have been married 27 years. And we have four amazing kids, two daughters, 23 and 20. We also have a 17-year-old son and a an 11-year-old son we adopted from Ethiopia. Oh, so, wow. Love my family, Rosemary. And then the country piece is West Point was my undergrad. So ended up serving seven years active duty in the army. And so we can talk some stories about that army service. But when you talk about what's the more, most important to me, it's God, family, and country. I love that order. I love yeah. that order. So you're building a business and we all know when you're building a business, sometimes family gets sacrificed. Sometimes we lose our way up along the path to God and we, we're putting business first, maybe sometimes. Um, how do What do you do to keep God first and then your family and then your business? First of all, Rosemary, I will tell you, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy at all. And I think anyone that's been an entrepreneur, anyone that's gone down this path, that's built a business, realize it. It literally could be a 24-7 proposition. And one of the words that I love most, it's all about being an intentional. And to give you a visual resume, I mean, this was the business plan for me four years ago. I mean, we started, you know, with a blank sheet of paper. And it's been, in one sense, incredibly exhausting because when you start with nothing, I mean, it's literally been brick by brick, just building the foundation for our business. But when you start with nothing, you also can be so intentional about who you are and what you stand for, your values, your vision, mission. So it's been even more energizing. But at the same time, back to God, family, and country, I start my day off the same way every day, and that's on my knees in prayer. And then what I also do, having four kids that are very active in sports, I don't peel off at 3, 4 o'clock, but by 6, 6.30, I'm home every night for dinner, or I'm taking one of the kids to the practice or one of their activities and events. And it could be that I work 24-7, but at the end of the day, if what I'm building in a business doesn't have any lasting impact with my family, then it's all for naught. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, as a spouse of an entrepreneur, it's not easy. You guys have long hours sometimes, and I love that you are very intentional about taking the time off to be with your kids. So it's work and kids and God. And how does, 
How, what kind of problems have you faced with balancing um, your priority for marriage and your relationship with your wife? Because I would imagine it's kind of hard sometimes to have time to focus on that. <laughs> it is no doubt. We can also tie the fitness piece. If I was to add more, the fitness piece would be one more. Yes. And I will tell you the same way, the same rigor, the same discipline that I plan, the same discipline that I book meetings. For example, Rosemary, this was blocked on my calendar. And then we left 30 minutes after, so we don't shortchange and rush our discussion. Right. Also block time to prep. It's the same way with my wife. I mean, it's important for us to date and spend that time together. We've been married 27 years, but we want to live it like we're newlyweds and really enjoy that time together. So if you don't take the time to say, okay, every Tuesday night at nine o'clock after the kids go down, that's our time at home. And then you know, twice a month, we're going to spend that time. We're going to go out to dinner. We're going to go out to show. If you don't put that level of intentionality, you don't go ahead and set out that time. Then again, it's just going to go by the wayside. I mean, you're going to forget about it. Things get busy. But when you make it a priority and schedule it like I do, then it happens. Um, were you always like this um, ever since you've been married? And if not, when did this intention of dating come into play? Rosemary, how tell you, that is one of the fallacies I had with getting married. I thought, we're love. I mean, <laughs> this is going to be easy. This is going to be no problem. And what I realized, and I've had some great coaches and mentors in my life, and you have know, watched and observed other people. And one of the things I realized just between Kelly and I is it's not easy. I mean, if you want to have a great marriage, just like you have a great business, I mean, it takes work. It takes effort. And I mean, we will always be in love, but to really have that strong foundation in our marriage and really enjoy that time. Again, I go back to that word intentional. It's all about how we go ahead and invest that time in each other. So I love that you live intentionally. And I imagine a lot of that comes from your military background. Do you come from a military family or did you like go rogue and you're, you're different from everybody else and you learn this along the way? I am so thankful, one, for the upbringing of my parents. I mean, they just provided a strong, you know, values-based home. And then the, I mean, you saw me coming a mile away. I mean, having gone to West Point, you know, spent four years there, went to flight school, learned how to fly helicopters. You went to the Army Special Forces Ranger School and spent seven years active duty. I mean, that rigor and that discipline and that planning was very much instilled in me. So that's a big part of who I am. But you know, having looked back and what's enabled me to be successful is that foundation. And although I only served seven years in the Army active duty, I mean, those lessons and that discipline and that accountability, I mean, that has continued with me throughout my career. What was, um, I know that from a friend of mine who's been in the military and she's coached a lot of military people transitioning out of the military, what was the most difficult thing for you when you had to trans transition from military to civilian life? I think the biggest part, Rosemary, is, you know, if you are familiar with your friend who's in the military, if she's sometimes she lets some acronyms slip. I mean, there's a whole different language yep. <laughs> that you speak. And I was so thankful to go to school at night and get my MBA. You know, Uncle Sam and the government funded for me to go to school at night and get my MBA. And that really taught me the language. And I will tell you, I've talked with friends who've made that transition and they're still speaking that military language and they struggle with how to translate the incredible experience and leadership background and exposure they had into that business environment. So 
I think, you know, speaking military to speaking business, I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's a different language. Did you go to work for a corporation or did you just automatically start your own business? (laughs) I did not, Rosemary. And my first job after seven years active duty was in a big five consulting firm. I used to work for KPMG and spent two years there. And I love the clients I work with. KPMG was a great firm, but I love my family more. And I never saw them. I mean, it was Monday through Friday every week you know, for two years straight. And I just knew that was not going to be for me long-term. So that's where I transitioned into the consumer packaged goods industry and worked for Procter & Gamble. Business development, sales, marketing, strategy on brands like like Crest and Tide. And then I spent another five years in the consumer packaged goods industry and Mars. You know, same marketing, branding, just a phenomenal company, but new brands like M&Ms and Snickers and pedigree dog food. So you've got a ton of background training for what you are doing now in business, <laughs> which I think is phenomenal because you got paid to learn how to do what you do. It, it was. And Rosemary, I'll, I'll tell you, I used to, and this was probably one of the challenges that you know most people coming out of the military, because it's a big you know, organization. It's massive. I mean, when you add up the entire military, it's over 2 million and it's big, it's bureaucratic but you get such phenomenal training. And one thing I didn't know I had it in me, you know, back to this being the business plan four years ago, Uh I didn't know I had it in me to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know I had it in me to go ahead and start a business from scratch. But I still remember at Procter & Gamble, one of the most common questions I got was, what are you doing, Dean? I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, that's not how we do it. That's not the Procter way. And I'm like, well, why not? And like, well, we've tried that before and it hasn't really worked. And when you start peeling back that onion and hearing the stories, that was, you know, folklore from like 10 years ago, 20 years from now. Ah. And I'm like, well, things have changed. And what I realized, even in a big, you know, organization, Procter & Gamble, for example, is an $80 billion company. I mean, I didn't realize it back then, Rosemary, but I was an entrepreneur, you know, within this big, massive organization you know, I didn't think differently just to think differently. I thought differently on how to solve a complex problem. And that's what I realized. And it's so clear looking back now, but back then I had no idea that I had the entrepreneurial spirit within me and was just exercising that within a large, large organization. Wow. I love that. So when did the light bulb come on for you to go, (laughs) Hey, I can do this for myself. What was the driving force for that? Well, Rosemary, I'm not smart enough. It wasn't like a light bulb. It was like a dimmer switch. (laughs) <laughs> it, it just kept getting brighter and brighter. And you know, after five years at Mars and arriving in Nashville in 2010, I had mentioned my wife and our four kids. You know, one of the reasons I left the army was to stop moving. I mean, I wanted to plant roots and invest in a community. And I moved even more after the army. To give you an idea, at Procter and Gamble in six years, you know, lived in four different cities. Wow. So every year or two, we were moving. And when we arrived in Nashville in 2010, my wife had grown up in Tennessee. She went to the University of Tennessee. So if you've ever been to Nashville, I mean, it is just a phenomenal city. Tennessee is is just a great state. And I knew Rosemary, if move number number 11 was coming, I was going by myself. Nobody (laughs) Nobody was going with me. So that ultimately led me down the entrepreneurial path. And in 2012, you know, bought my first business and the sole motivation, the primary motivation there was to stop moving. I thought 
if we have our own business, we, we can go ahead and control that decision. You know, Mars can't ask us to uproot and move our family again because it's our own business. Right. And what was that business? So that was a business, Rosemary, that had a great niche that was 18 years old that produced dress uniforms for the military. Oh, nice. And what was really neat for me, so there were these blue trousers with gold braid that were a uniform I used to wear. And that was one of our contracts. Oh, and I thought, this is so neat. This is what I used to wear. And now we're producing. And Rosemary, one of the things I start to learn was the history around the apparel industry. So when I graduated from West Point in 93, over 50% of the apparel in the U.S. was made in the U.S. And today, today, that percentage is less than three. Get out of here. I mean, that is all wow. made here. And I thought, well, I'm passionate about job creation, so I want to win more contracts. And, you know, as I started to learn more about the government contracting business, I really realized that, you know what? When we win a contract, we don't actually create jobs. We just outbid another supplier. So if we're visiting against you, Rosemary, you're here and we're here, we get the contract. So it's just a transfer of jobs. Yeah. And then you noticed all that incredible brand experience I had. And this is when the wheel started turning. And I thought, what if, what if instead of being a government contractor, what if we were a brand? And what if we chose the road less traveled instead of what 97% of brands do and choose to produce overseas because it's less expensive, it's cheaper labor? What if we made the intentional choice to produce right here in the US? I started to think, think of the jobs we could create. Think of the difference we could make. And ultimately, when we're successful, think of the incredible legacy we could leave. And that was the vision, Rosemary, behind Authentically American. Our vision is to build this iconic American brand that's truly American-made because we're passionate about creating American jobs. So um, do you still do the government contracts for the uniforms or are you mainly just apparel now? We don't. So my partner and I, in 2017, he parted ways. So that old company is still in the government contract business. I wish them the best. That was not for me. And I know what I'm doing right now was not for you know the, my old partner, but I am exhausted, but even more energized, Rosemary. I absolutely <laughs> love what we're doing because I'll give you an example. I was worried last year, 2020, in the middle of a global pandemic, are we even going to survive? I mean, we're, right. we're a strapped startup with investors, but when you are relying on product to be produced here in the U.S. and there's a global pandemic and there's threats of shutdown, the thought was, are we even going to survive? But I will tell you, the silver lining with COVID-19, the silver lining with a global pandemic is now more than ever, Americans are actively seeking American-made products. Cheap made China is out and everybody loves that we're American-made. I love that. I love that. I love what COVID has done for I think the world in general and where people are more focused on relationships. And like you said, they're focused on what's good for America and local and supporting all of these companies that are local within our country. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Rosemary, if you would allow me to do this, because we are very much a brand. We're a veteran owned American made premium apparel brand. And we take great pride in producing in the US. We have manufacturing established in 12 states, but we've shifted our message because at the end of the day, nobody, nobody over the last three plus years is buying from us just because we're American made. 
I mean, at the end of the day, we're a consumer product and we have to deliver an amazing product experience. So if you allow me, Rosemary, I thought I would highlight this. This is our new collegiate license. So anyone out there that's an Alabama fan <laughs> recognize this. Yeah. Rosemary, I, I love that we can see each other because you know we can have this dialogue, but what you miss out on is being able to touch and feel this shirt because if you like, Dean, that is incredibly soft. And that is by design. And the print we use, we only use a water-based soft hand ink because if most people of you on the audience who are listening think of what's in their closet, it's that heavy plastisol ink. And when you sweat in the middle of the summer, it sticks to your chest. Yep. You wash it a few times, it cracks. I mean, it's just not a great product. And ours is the exact opposite. And Rosemary, what I want to highlight is our new sweat-activated print innovation because I know a lot of the audience also is very active, very fit. And that's another yep. one of the things that I'm very intentional about getting a workout every day. So here's what happens. Even if you're not an Alabama fan, you know what goes with Alabama. It's all about roll tide. So here's okay. what happens when you sweat. So he's, oh my gosh, guys, if you can see this, he's spraying the shirt. So there's an elephant in Bama and then you have, he's spraying the shirt. And when you sweat, roll tide is going to come up in words. That is very cool. Always And here's a newer slogan. So you can see our vintage U.S. flag logo, but on the back, you know, what they like to say is, you know, where legends are made. Oh my goodness. So yeah, if you sweat it, that's where legends are made. is going to come up while you're working out and becoming a legend. And Rosemary, here's where I like to highlight this because what people will tell me, Dean, forget where it's made. I don't care. I mean, this is just an amazing shirt. It's incredibly soft. The print is only that water-based ink, but here's what happens. They look at the tag like it's American made, nothing. And my closet, American made. And then they go to our website, authenticallyamerican.us. They learn the story behind our brand. They learn the ethos behind our brand. They learn that they can buy from our collegiate collection. We have our own consumer brand where we sell product with our vintage US flag logo, but we also have a client side of our business where we work with businesses and charities and other organizations for polos, t-shirts, ball caps, socks that are custom branded. So something that used to be made in China now, if you love creating American jobs like we do, you can choose to partner with us. That is very cool. I love that. Where'd you guys come up with that idea for the shirt? We have great partners, Rosemary. That's a whole nother discussion about, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And <laughs> that's true. People. But, you know, we, you know, back to believing in the American worker, that's another one of our ethos. So we have 12 states that we manufacture in. So have somebody that go ahead and print this for us. It's not proprietary, but it's been around for 10 years. But I will tell you, we do a much better job than anyone out there. And we also do a better job branding because if you're an Alabama fan, you absolutely are screaming roll tide all the time. Yep. You're absolutely screaming where legends are made. And you know, we are just having a blast because this is our hero product. That is an amazing product. Amazing. So how many employees do you have? So direct employees in our headquarters here in Nashville, I think we're up to 12 now between full-time, part-time, and that's primarily sales, marketing, and customer service. But to enable our balance sheet to look relatively light and to enable us to scale quickly, we are have a contract manufacturing network and we outsource most of our work. So for example, all the production is outsourced and that is not on my payroll. All of our finance and accounting, for example, all outsourced. So Direct on the payroll is 12, 
but we have a much, much bigger and broader impact than, than that. Because you're using sewing factories across the U.S. You got it. So what I like to say is, you know, my strategy, I, was, I wanted to find the best darn T-shirt maker in the country, provide them our specs and have them produce for us. I so love here's that. another example. This is our consumer brand. The last time, Rosemary, I was on Fox and Friends. You know, these are our own consumer brand. These are Carolina Cotton, Knitting Carolina. These are amazing socks. People love them. They've got a fun, patriotic design. And again, it's not about where it's made, but when people wear these, they're like, Dean, they're incredibly soft. They're so comfortable. I love them. It's the same story. But, you know, we have a factory that produces for us in North Carolina that just does an amazing job. How many hours is it taking you now? to run this business compared to the hours that you put in when you were an entrepreneur? I think I may scare people if I told them how many hours, <laughs> because you know it is a lot of hours, Rosemary, and I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's a lot, 60, 70 plus, I mean, sometimes even more, but back to being intentional, you know, the one thing I've found, the only thing I've found that I can cut out is sleep. And, you know, a big part of that is maintaining a healthy, fit lifestyle it's counterintuitive, but I, if I don't get a workout in every day, I don't have the energy and the capacity. And I'm home for dinner every night with the family. I'm home every But a fun story tied back to the military. So after flight school, learning how to fly helicopters, had an opportunity to go to the uh, attend the Army Special Forces Ranger School. And most of your listeners are probably not aware. And there's a lot of military doctrine and tactics in Ranger School, but at its core, Rosemary, it's a leadership course. And what they do is deprive you of everything you think you need to survive, namely food and sleep. And on day one, there were 340 of us. And for 72 days straight, if you make it straight through, you live on one meal a day and two to three hours sleep a night. And then they put you in incredibly stressful situations, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally. And, you know, from day one to day 72, we lost over 80% of our class and there were only 70 of us standing on graduation day. And I didn't know this back then, but Ranger School was such great training for leading a startup because it was all about no sleep and incredible stress. And that's the life I'm living now. <laughs> and you're smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'd be dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I think Rosemary, tied to that, when you truly believe what you do, when you truly love what you do, it's not that you're working, it's pursuing your passion. Right. And I love that I would assume that as being an entrepreneur, as opposed to being an intrapreneur, you're able to adjust your time that you work to be with your family. So you can go to work, go be with your family, then go back to work where you couldn't do that with a corporate job. Absolutely. It was not that it was truly punching the clock, but it was like punching the clock. And for example, you know, we have four amazing kids, my wife, Kelly and I, we want to be dream makers for our kids. And my 17-year-old son, his dream is to play professional hockey in the NHL. And before that is being a tier one junior hockey player. So he was just drafted last week. And That's now college coaches are starting. So next week, I will be working remote, but I will be with him in the car. My wife and I and our son, we will hit 12 different schools in a week. And there are top tier schools like Boston College and Penn State and Harvard and UConn. And if I was on my own, I'm able to do that. But when I used to work for a bigger employer, it's much, much harder to do that and have that level of flexibility. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, congratulations to your son and to you and your wife, because I know that's a lot of hours of driving your, your kids to practice and games. And oh, it, it is, it's a labor of love and back to being a dream maker for our kids. It's how do we help them you know, make their dreams come true? So with your health and you having to work out, not having to, but wanting to work out because you do need that in order to have yes. the sanity and the physical ability to keep going. Do your kids work out with you? What does that look like in throughout your family? I imagine that's influenced them a lot. Uh, I wish, Rosemary, my 11-year-old son we adopted from Ethiopia was here because I don't get to work out very long. They're a quick 20, 30 minutes. But on the weekends, if there's nothing else, he will come ask me like, Dad, let's go get in a quick workout. Or we'll go out and you know shoot hockey out in the driveway in the garage. And we'll do different things like that. And he truly loves and embraces that. And we're a big sports family. My daughters were both soccer players, but exercising and living a fit and healthy lifestyle is such a foundation to not just, you know, the physical attributes, but I mean, there's studies out there talks about the mental benefits of that. And it's just Mm -hmm. such an important lifestyle to choose. It it really is. It makes, it really amazes me just even the mental side of it, not even the physical side of how Mm -hmm. it, it switches our brain on. No doubt about it. So if you aren't out there exercising, I highly recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me a little bit about why did you guys decide after your your kids are getting older, you've got two older kids, um, you're getting close to that finish line and you decide to adopt another child. How, what made you do that? So Rosemary, that is a great question. And, you know, you've heard my background, my career and my wife and I for years kept talking and say, we're very fortunate. You know, we're very blessed. And we thought we need to go ahead and adopt. We had some friends who would adopt and we thought that's something we need to do. But Rosemary, all we ever did was talk about it. And there were really two emotional triggers. One, do you remember the Haitian earthquake? Yes. And that if you think about it, that was right in our backyard. So we would see those images on TV and we're like, oh my goodness, the devastation of those kids. So that was one emotional trigger. The second one, prior to moving to Nashville, my wife and I, we lived in Minnesota, which was a great state. We loved it there. And my wife was in Nashville. And it was like everywhere she turned, God was speaking to her because on Saturday night, she was at an adoption fundraiser. Wow. That Sunday at church, the pastor preached a sermon about, you know, the need to look out for the orphan. And she called me that afternoon on the drive home. I was like, okay, honey, we've talked about it. Are you ready? And we prayed about it. And we said, okay, now's the time. And so how did you proceed? Um, what made you choose Ethiopia? Oh, should have finished that story. I'm sorry. So <laughs> when we, you know, worked with an agency and we thought, okay, given the emotional trigger with Haiti, we mm-hmm. thought we should we would adopt there, but as we you know dug in a little bit deeper, just found out there was a lot of fraud and corruption tied with Haiti, and we had what would you recommend? And they recommended Ethiopia. They said they've been de- there's such one an incredible need. And they said number two for decades they've been adopting, so they've got a relatively streamlined process. And they also said it's a predominantly Christian nation. And Rosemary, here's a staggering statistic because we just adopted one, mm-hmm. but most people don't even realize the impact, the number of orphans around the world, the number of homes or kids without a warm home, without a mom and dad is 150 million. Wow. 
150 million kids without a mom, without a dad, without a home. And our thought was, okay, we can't adopt them all, but we can adopt just one and we can have an incredible difference in his life. And his well, name is Escal, E-S-K-E-L, Escal. And I wish he was sitting right here next to me because he'd be stealing the show. I mean, <laughs> he's just an amazing kid and I would love for him to be here. But I mean, it has touched our lives. But here is the you know, trickle down effect. Here's the dominoes that have happened because I can't tell you the number of people that have met him, that have heard our story, that said, okay, I want to adopt. All the point to my own kids, my oldest daughter, who's 23. She's not even engaged, but as she talks about her future, she talked about one wanting to get married, one in, wanting to have two or three kids of her own, but also planning to adopt. Oh, I love that so much. That is amazing. What is What was the biggest transition for you and for him um, with the adoption? I mean, changing, moving countries and then living with a different family, um, that had to be a huge transition for him. What were, what were some of the, the tips that you can provide to families who are considering adopting children from another country? Well, Rosemary, I will tell you, it's not easy because it's a big financial commitment and it's a big time commitment. And I would say the biggest thing is make sure upfront, you know, you do research, you do homework, you talk to friends, and I'm sure you will include details in the show notes. So whether they want to learn about an entrepreneur and the journey I've been on, learn about adopting, you know, you're welcome to share my contact information in the show notes so people can reach out to me. So reach out to me, reach out a friend to somebody that's been there. So you know what you're getting into because it is not just like a foster parent. We're making a week or a month or a year commitment. I mean, it is a lifetime commitment. So I think that is the biggest recommendation is to know what you're getting into and take that next step to go ahead and speak to somebody that's been there. I love that. Thank you. Um, and there, there's organizations for people to talk to, right? Where people oh, can go to group support. Absolutely. So, you know, Catholic Charities was the organization that we did our initial study with. And then there was a an agency that helped us find our child. So there is a wealth of resources. And if you're just looking for one, again, they can reach out to me. My They can reach out to me via LinkedIn or dwegner at authenticallyamerican.us is my email. So they can reach out. So I've got that go-giver mindset. That's a great book. And I always believe that you invest in others who want to make a difference. That is a great book. All right. Thank you, Dean. I appreciate it. And uh, can you tell them again, you can go to LinkedIn, Dean Wagner, W-E-G-N-E-R, and Dean Wagner at authenticallyamerican.com? .us. And that was another intentional choice given our brand, .us. So that's our email, dwegner at authenticallyamerican.us. It's also our website. You know, authentically American. I love that. You guys have to go check out his website because the t-shirt that he showed, um, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dean, for being a guest here. We appreciate you and all the value that you added to our listeners. It was an honor, Rosemary. I really enjoyed it and look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. Rush Yeager here. Thanks so much for listening to the Becoming Titans podcast. If you're a successful business owner, entrepreneur, or executive, consider your company as having a true purpose and would like to be a guest on this program, please visit rushyeager.com forward slash apply. And hey, if you got value out of the interview today, I'd be so grateful if you simply would share it on your favorite social media platform. And if you know someone who would be a great guest for the show, tag them on social media to let them know about it and include hashtag Becoming Titans. I love seeing you guys' posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content, 
So to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and really mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more about what I do, go to RussJager.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram, all under my name. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you next time.